I'm Dr. Chris Meyer. This is the Negotiation Innovation Podcast. On this episode, we are continuing our discussion of strategic negotiation, thinking about going into a negotiation, not just with a vague idea of what we're going to do, but with a very deliberate, very well thought out plan. I'm going to push more into motivation on this episode. I've discussed the impact of your motive on the negotiation. I've discussed the difference between collaborative and competitive mindsets. And that always leads us to this point. In this episode, we're going to distinguish between the collaborative mindset and an altruistic mindset. Often when I talk to people about the collaborative motive in negotiation, or going into negotiation thinking about more than just one's own gain, one of the major issues, one of the sticking points, one of the reasons that people are less likely to follow this point of view is because they view it as giving something away. They view the collaborative motive, they view the collaborative mindset as one that is there only to benefit the other party. And they see it as giving something up. So I want you to go into this with an open mind. I know that a lot of the audience has negotiation that they do in their day-to-day business. A lot of people come from a sales background or an entrepreneurship background and have the feeling that if I'm giving value to another party without really making them fight for it, that I'm giving away the upper hand, that I'm giving away something important in the negotiation. So let's address that. What is it about a business negotiation that makes people think benefiting the other party is a sign of weakness? If you're negotiating in your family with your spouse or with your children, parents, etc., we're always looking for a way to give some benefit. We don't look at a collaborative negotiation in that sense as a weak negotiation. So why is this viewed as soft or weak in the business world? Or even worse, sometimes when I teach this, people say, well, it's unrealistic. Business is business, and in business, you've got to be cutthroat. It's that win or lose attitude. And we've talked about that on this podcast. Inherently, there is a loser for every time there is a winner. So is this something that's necessary in our negotiations? What I hear is that negotiators that benefit the other party are weak. Negotiators that benefit the other party will be taken advantage of. Or this is always a fun one to hear. It sounds good in theory. 
So let's get into this a little bit. While there's nothing inherently wrong with being selfless, there's also the reality that in life we're trying to achieve some outcome. It's not a sustainable strategy to give in every interaction without receiving some benefit as well. If I adopt a joint gain view of my interactions, I'm willing to benefit others in the interaction while protecting my gains toward my interest. This idea, this mindset, removes the idea that I should take as much as possible in every interaction. The joint gain idea of negotiation recognizes that while my gain is important, it shouldn't be used to hinder or even measure the gains of others involved. This is where the idea of win-win falls short. In a win-win mindset, each negotiator is still trying to win. Rather than focusing on winning, we need to focus on maximizing gain. But here's the key. We want to maximize the gain for everyone involved. That means I'm willing to benefit other parties. Even if they benefit more, even if they gain more than I do in the interaction. It's not easy. It's not just giving people what they want. We negotiate because we could achieve more gain working together than we can working separately. In many instances, people are very committed to their competitive negotiation. They like the tactics. They like the predictability. But here's the real truth. Most of the time, people don't like competitive negotiation. Ask anyone, hey, do you want to go have some fun? Let's go to the used car dealership. Now, if you know that you're going just to negotiate and just have fun, okay, maybe. But if it's for real and you got to put money down on the way out, people typically don't like that. And why is it? It's because it's a well-known competitive negotiation place. When you go in there, the negotiation that you do is going to be filled with information asymmetry. It's going to be very competitive. It's going to be very difficult. There's a reputation there. Car dealers, you know this. So abandon your competitive practices. Witness the rise of the no negotiation online car sales. Those exist for a reason. You're probably paying a little bit more, but people are paying for the privilege to know the price and not have to deal with, let me go ask my manager if I can give you that price. So why are people so committed to competitive negotiation? There are really two reasons that people are committed to competitive negotiation. Be ready for this. If you're a competitive negotiator, you probably won't like what I have to say. The first reason is that you need to dominate other people. A lot of times people that want to dominate others are weak in some area of their life and therefore take the opportunity for dominance in areas of their life that they can. And sometimes that's the negotiation area. 
I know when I was in sales, there were a lot of people out there that were unsure about the value that they brought to the organization, value that they brought to the transaction, and therefore by dominating that transaction, they felt they could bring some value. The second reason is you're afraid. You're afraid and you are protecting the little control that you have in an interaction. And that little control is the position that you bring into the negotiation. You make certain things non-negotiable because you're afraid to let them go. You're afraid to see if there's something better out there. You're afraid that if I say this is negotiable, then I may lose it. There's a third reason. The third reason is you just don't know how to negotiate any other way. Most of the training that happens in negotiation is done in the context of this zero-sum mindset, this win-lose mindset, this idea that any value that comes into the negotiation gives up value from somewhere else. It's an old idea. We've got to let that go. The problem that we have with most negotiation training is that it's focused on the ending. It's focused on the outcome, the closing, rather than the process of solving for more value, rather than thinking about how do I, how do I bring more into this situation. And a lot of that is because we don't want to bring more in and not get more out. If we're serving the goal, the end goal of the outcome or the quota or the organizational goal, whatever it may be, then we can't serve the overarching goal of joint gain. Because most organizations, when they're writing goals for their employees, don't add in goals that are external. Now, they may say something like excellent customer service or delight your customers, things like that. But they don't measure it. And they don't talk about providing value, typically. And if they do say provide value to our customers, they don't measure that either. So we need to look for ways that we can increase the gain. And here's the most important part of this. Increasing the gains for others in our interactions, again, isn't just altruism. It's increasing the gains so that there's more for everyone to gain. And I want you to think about it like this. I can do this for you if. We're not just giving value away. We're giving value away on a contingent basis. There are certain things in this negotiation that I'm here to achieve. If you help me achieve those things, then I can help you achieve what you're here to achieve. But we need to be able to ask the question, what are you here to achieve? What do you really want here? What is it that's most important? And that goes back to the preparation when we're thinking about interests. 
we're thinking about why we're even negotiating, and then asking other parties involved, why are you even negotiating? Once we clarify that, and we can come up with ways to benefit the other party, we want to receive our benefit back in exchange for that. But it's not just that. We're also looking for ways to benefit the other party that cost us nothing. We're looking for ways to benefit the other party that cost us nothing or are minimal cost to us. We want to benefit the other party because in future interactions, in future negotiations, in referrals, in testimonials, in other ways, those parties can then benefit us back. Don't underestimate the utility of your reputation. Don't underestimate the utility of that relationship. People prepare differently based on the reputation of the other negotiator. And if you have the reputation that you are out to take, that you are there only for your own benefit, that you're there to dominate, to win, to look out for your own interests, to protect your own positions, that reputation precedes you into the negotiation. People prepare for the interaction differently they prepare to be defensive. They prepare to close down. They're less likely to share information. They're less likely to share benefits. They're less likely to be creative in the potential outcomes. So we need to understand that the reputation follows us. If you have the reputation of someone who's always benefiting other parties, if you have the reputation of somebody who is a joy to negotiate with, that gets out as well. People know. People know who the good people to negotiate with are. People know who are the negotiators that are only out for themselves. People know. Think about it right now. Think about people in your own organization. I can think of people in my organization. I know people that are the selfish negotiators that are out to protect their own gain, only out for their own gain, and will do anything to get that gain. I don't want to negotiate with them. And when I do go in to negotiate with them, I go in with a very different attitude, with a very different mindset, and with a very different preparation than when I go to negotiate with those that are there, and I know they're there to benefit, not just benefit from the negotiation for themselves, but also to benefit the others with whom they're negotiating. And that's part of the power of this. It's not just do good to do good. It's do good because it creates good. 
Do good because then you will do good or do well. For all the English folks that are out there listening to this, that's what we want to do. We want to produce gain so that we can gain. Thanks for listening to the Negotiation Innovation Podcast. I would appreciate it if you would subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that I can reach a wider audience. You can find more information about these ideas on my website at MeyerNegotiation.com. Thanks. See you next time.